Perspectives YYC is part of the Alberta Podcast Network. Locally grown, community supported. I met Alex a few months ago in our podcast brunch club. He asked to interview me, and I asked to interview him in turn. He allowed me to appropriate his warm-up routine for interviewing guests, a process that I think has really helped me to connect with my own uh, people uh, for my other podcast, and for which I am truly grateful. He's also got a sandwich named after him. That's pretty cool. Look for him and his podcast, My Wax Museum. I don't know when our talk comes out, but you'll just have to subscribe to his podcast to keep listening for that. How's that for a shameless plug? Here's my chat with Alex, and for now, the conclusion of this season of Perspectives YYC. And now, a quick word from one of our sponsors. This episode of Perspectives YYC is brought to you by the Calgary Foundation. Whether it's funding anti-racism programs, addiction recovery, or food hampers for the hungry, for 65 years, the Calgary Foundation has proudly supported the charitable community to address some of Calgary's biggest challenges. Now, during this period of unprecedented urgent needs, Calgary Foundation renewed its commitment to building a healthy, vibrant, giving, caring, and resilient community. If you're a registered charity looking for a grant, a professional advisor creating a giving plan for your client, or a donor wanting to give back to your community, discover a wealth of resources at calgaryfoundation.org and learn more about their work through Calgary Foundation's Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Yeah, I don't know. You know, I was just uh, thinking when I was setting up that I, I'm sure someone's done this to you before, but I should ask you your own primer questions. Um, mm. Have you ever done that before? I've never, I've never had anybody do that. Oh, fuck, no. let's try it. Because, you know, I, I actually, uh, I thought it was pretty interesting. Um, and now I'm interested to see how you'd, uh, you'd answer it. So first, before we... I'm interested to see how I'll answer <laughs> Yeah. Uh, <laughs> First, okay, so I was just going to ask, I think on the email, there's an N at the end of Williams, and it's kind of confusing. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Is there a story there? Or? There is. Yeah, my name is Alex Williams, and there are thousands more of me. So <laughs> it's just me trying to- To stand out? Differentiate myself. <laughs> yeah. All right. Yeah. And I actually, I, I'm friends with a couple of the other Alex Williamses, and we're all kind of in the same boat. You know more Alex Williams. I do. I do. All right. That's fascinating. I, I mean, I, I've met lots of Davids, but uh, my last name is not, it's even in Korea, it's very rare. Um, really? Which is unusual because there's a whole history I learned about Korean last names, which I think is fascinating. Yeah. Whether we get to that <laughs> and it's relevant here, we'll, we'll get there. It might be because now I have to find out about Williams. But uh, uh, so I was going to ask you about that. But all right. Are you ready to answer your own primer questions? Alex Williams with an N. I am ready. Um, all right, here we go. And, uh, you know, we'll see if we keep this or not, but I think it'll be fun. <clears throat> so, Alex, who is your favorite person and why? Uh, my favorite person is my niece because uh, she's adorable and she's funny and uh, and she's she's smart. I don't know. Like, I just, I, I, I see myself first and foremost as, like, the greatest uncle in the world. And uh, and so my my little niece, she's my favorite by far. I can't wait to interview and find out if she feels the same. <laughs> she probably is... <laughs> would. She likes me, I think. <laughs> How old is she? Uh, she is one and a half almost. Oh, that's cute. Yeah, my son's six, so 
he's uh, he's a man now. He is a man, all grown up. In his mind, yeah. Tells us what to do. <laughs> <laughs> all right, next question. Next Alex Williams question. What's an opinion you have that might surprise people? Um, okay, so an opinion that would surprise people. I share my opinions pretty freely, so I don't think... Um, I don't think this would necessarily surprise people, um, but uh, it, it is unpopular, I have found. Um, I hate peanut butter with like a burning, furious passion. I hate the smell of peanut butter. I hate the taste of peanut butter. I hate the texture. I hate the way it makes people behave. Like I hate everything about peanut butter. Um, yeah, I'm going to stop the interview right now because uh, I basically live on peanut butter. <laughs> it's over. <laughs> <laughs> what uh what is that makes one of us uh is this a, a childhood trauma thing or is just literally a biological aversion yeah, to peanut butter yeah i like i never like growing up i never liked the smell like i always hated the smell of it right and then one day um my stepmom was like just try it just try it and so i tried some and i was like Oh, like the taste and the texture and everything else is even worse. And then as I've gotten older and I've watched like the way that it spreads on bread, how it like doesn't spread properly and it kind of collects the crumbs and like folds over itself as you go, like it ruins the bread. And then like people are there digging in with their with their knives, trying to get the last little bit of peanut butter and they pull their arm out of the the tub and they've got like lines of peanut butter on their arm and <laughs> ugh, just everything about it who are you eating with <laughs> that they're smearing their forearms with peanut butter <laughs> and how large of a tub this is like uh, costco adults. costco size volumes <laughs> yeah yeah i mean like the Jesus. big the big ones they're like like you know <laughs> the size of my head I have a pretty big head, so like you know, I eat a lot of peanut butter. But that uh, that description disgusts me as well. Uh, I don't know if I'd double dip in forearm <laughs> peanut butter. So maybe it is trauma then. The way maybe you describe right. it, I, I suspect there's more to that story. That's very visceral. Uh, you, you you focus a lot on it. It's not even ignoring. You're watching people consume it. <laughs> oh yeah, it, it drives me insane. And then people leave the knife in the sink and it like gets all over the other dishes and like just everything, man. Just everything about uh, it. Yeah. Favorite day of the week and why? Tuesday. Oh, Easy. Thanks. I've never I've never felt sick on a Tuesday. I don't know why. Tuesdays are just always good. Also, I was born on a Tuesday, so that's good too. Huh. How do you how do you know what day of the week you were born on? That's fascinating. Because I I thought I really love Tuesdays. I told that to somebody once. I'm like, I love Tuesdays. And then they said, oh, were you like born on a Tuesday or something? And I'm like, I don't know. And I went and looked it up. Turns out I was. Fascinating. Now I now I have to look up mine. Uh, I was probably born on like a Thursday or something weird like that. <laughs> Thursday. Who likes Thursdays? <laughs> Thursday. Who would want to be born on a Thursday? <laughs> That's an opinion I have that might surprise people. Fuck Thursdays. Um <laughs> Alex, summarize your life in one sentence. Go. Okay. This is... Uh... Ooh, stumped him. We need uh, some Jeopardy music. Do, 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 do. Let me think. Uh, okay. Um, my life in one sentence. Well, F this. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I, 
I feel like I I feel like I quit a lot. Yeah. So so uh, f this. If I don't like something, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna do it. I'm not gonna deal with it. All right. All right. And and f as in forget. Like uh, forget this. Yeah. Ah, you're gonna be sweet about it. Okay. I was use, I was thinking yeah, of a different yeah, word. I'll be nice. Yeah. I was thinking of the word <laughs> fuck. So uh, we'll leave that. Uh, Understandable. I mean, it can have that interpretation. So. What is the most beautiful sight you've ever seen? Um, you know the hospital in Seton. Do you know, like in south in southeast Calgary? Oh, the South Health campus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The big one, the new one. Yeah, the big one. Um, so there was this one time, um, and I've seen like other beautiful sites too that I could list. I mean, Kananaskis is glorious, but um, I remember driving out of Cranston. That's uh, one of the neighborhoods I lived in growing up. I was driving out of Cranston, and the sun, um, the sun was setting in the west and then there was uh there were dark like dark blue clouds um behind the hospital and so the hospital was lit up and they have that big mosaic on the side of the hospital and so it was this mosaic was lit up perfectly bright and it's got like um like a wheat you know colors down on the bottom and stuff and mountains and everything right and um it's perfectly lit up, and then behind it's just this dark, dark blue clouds. And uh, I just thought that was beautiful. And occasionally, like, I'll, I'll see that kind of lighting again, just the dark clouds with the sun shining in from behind. I just, it's perfect. It's glorious. You sound like a photographer. It's not a place. <laughs> it was light. Fascinating. I do take some pictures. Yeah, that's, uh, I like that. It's something... I'll agree with Calgary's got uh, fascinating, fascinating light here. It is. Something about the sun's position. It's a weird place. Yeah. Best meal you've ever had? Um, best meal I've ever had. Uh, best meal. The best meal. I, I think I've got to say uh, at my buddy's restaurant around the bend, um, again in southeast Calgary, um, can you tell I'm from there? Um, he, he makes... He's a corn on blue trained chef, very like talented. He makes the most delicious sandwiches, and one of them is called the Holiday Twist, and it's uh, it's on pretzel bread. All of his sandwiches are on pretzel bread, and this one has stuffing that's made with pretzel bread. Um, so it's got stuffing on it. It has their in-house mayo. It has uh, house-made cranberry relish. Um, it has turkey and I think they put lettuce on it and, um, I feel like there's something, something else that they put on it, but basically it's a Thanksgiving meal on a pretzel sandwich and it's just like so satisfying. And they, they have it at Canadian Thanksgiving, American Thanksgiving and Christmas and New Year's. And, uh, yeah, every time I come home from school, I hope that I'm there while they're still serving it. Or like just after they've been serving it so that I can grab the leftovers because it is amazing. What a great plug. So uh, like, yes. I'm just imagining you getting a cut for that. It's beautiful. <laughs> you have to, Thank you got to follow yeah. that up with an address and business hours. They're open from. <laughs> I'll send you a link. <laughs> uh, earliest memory. How, sorry, Alex, how old are you? I'm 24. 
24. Okay. So uh, as a 24-year-old, what is your earliest memory? My earliest memory. Um, my earliest memory as a 24-year-old? Or like... Well, <laughs> it's well, it's written ambiguously, but I think it's fascinating to uh, frame it with your age. Okay. Because uh, if I if I, I I like your questions, and if I meet someone who's uh, in their sixties, it'll be interesting to compare. Yeah, that's or true. younger, like an eighteen year old. That, yeah, that would be interesting. See what they remember differently. Maybe ask the same person throughout their life. See how it changes. Um, my earliest memory, uh, I think, we were in our family's purple Astro van in the nineties, and um, I'm sitting in this Astro van in my car seat. Um, the, the car seat, it had like bears on it. We had these car seats for years. That's why I remember what it looked like. Cause like we all sat in that car seat. Um, and we were on our way to the zoo in Calgary, listening to video killed the radio star, um, by the buggles. Yeah. That's my first memory. How old do you think you were? What year is this? I was, it was probably like 99. So I was probably like three, maybe it was 2000. So four, but yeah, that's, I, I think that's my earliest memory. That's a song that I don't know if uh, the youth will understand anymore. Oh, uh, it's such a classic. I just, yeah, I think it still applies. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. In I, like different ways, you know, like the idea, the story. Yeah. I guess, uh, I mean, there's still radio. People listen to it. Uh, I don't, but... Uh, I mean, I guess we're doing a podcast. Yeah, I guess if you want to stretch it. Although, yeah. Is it coming back? Is radio coming back to, to fight uh, to fight video? Hmm. I don't know. Hmm. Interesting. Uh, what is the next question you've written here? Best thing. What, no, uh, what do you miss most about your past self? Um, I feel like... I feel like I was happier. Um, or... Maybe not. Le- maybe not happier because I. Th- I think I'm probably the happiest I've ever been right now, but I think I had a lot more optimism, um, and it was something I really worked on growing up was becoming an optimist, and I think in more recent years, I have uh, allowed for a little bit more cynicism, and uh, I miss the optimism. I miss just thinking everything was great. So I do try and like bring that back in a little bit while maintaining uh, a bit more realism as well. I mean, not to get sidetracked on these being intro and, you know, uh, warm-up questions, but what does it mean to be intentionally optimistic? Um, so I, I like had um, like a lot of anger issues and like pessimism and stuff as a kid. Um, and so I like did a fake it till you make it thing. And eventually it just became like part of who I was just being optimistic about, you know, every situation, even if it like clearly sucked. Um, and so, yeah, I was just, uh, um, I really worked hard to be optimistic. And then now I try and it's just kind of like allowing yourself to reframe the situation in a positive light, I think is probably the best way to sum the idea up. Yeah, it's fascinating. I I might circle back and bug you for more details. I I feel like that idea requires so much more than just uh, coming up with with a positive uh, tint. I mean, you even need time to take a breath to consider positive options often. Uh, I know I do. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I guess this answers what is the best thing you've changed about yourself? Um, yeah, I, I guess 
that that's a big thing that I've changed about myself um, is becoming more of a positive person and and happier. Um, but I'd also say I'm in the best uh, physical health I've ever been in. I think um, I'm eating the best I ever have, and I'm getting the most exercise I ever had. So I I'm pretty pleased with that. Is that uh, a COVID related thing, or is this is just a, a life change? Uh... Um, I I'd say it, it's something I've been working on for a while, but I think COVID has made it easier because <laughs> I'm like I can't go out. <laughs> this is great, so I just I go for long walks and uh, and I cook. Um, we had a fun conversation about this, but uh, do you have a bucket list, and what's at the top of it? Yeah, I actually. I don't have a bucket list. I remember your answer was just kind of like, you know, you're you're living moment to moment, right? And you're kind of living your life. And I, I kind of feel the same way, I guess. Um, there are lots of things I'd like to do. So I guess right now, top of my bucket list, um, have a milkshake later today. <laughs> that's, that's like my next that's goal. Awesome. <laughs> no, that's amazing. I miss lactose, man. Fuck. Yeah. And disposable income. Use rice milk. That's what rice I... Rice milk? I, I use rice milk. It doesn't... Huh. Yeah. I, I, I was vegan for a long time, and a lot of those alternate mil- milks act so differently, but rice milk for a milkshake. Yeah, it's like... Um, and I admit I do put like a little bit of ice cream, but it's mostly just rice milk and like frozen fruit that I blend up. Interesting. So it's not bad. I, I'm, yeah. I'm learning a lot already. I'm going to try it. And then like peanut butter, we'll meet again and I'll, I'll describe how disgusting it is. But <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> if you could tell the world one thing, what would it be other than F off? No. Uh, be nice. Be nice. Yeah. Yeah. Just be nice. <laughs> uh, that's, yeah, that's it. That's it. Take it, take it at uh, surface value. Be nice. That's nice. I'm trying. It's not that easy. <laughs> Sometimes it's not, yeah, but it feels good. Yeah, it can, right? It can, it can, it can also feel very awkward. Yeah, that's that's a loaded thing. We're we're gonna we're gonna twist off if I if I keep thinking about that. Uh-uh. <laughs> uh, what's the most quirky thing about you? Um, I feel like I I do a lot of different things, and I I like doing a lot of different things. But probably the most quirky thing about me, just the strangest. Thing about me is my favorite body part is my thumbs i love my thumbs like you know if there's one thing that i look at every day and think yeah i look good it's my thumbs look how look how straight they are <laughs> you know like they're like sturdy sturdy thumbs pretty long yeah it's got a good uh, i like them good length i yeah it's funny you bring that when i was younger i was the thumb wrestling champion of everybody i knew no way something powerful of my thumbs but uh i recently tried to challenge my brother on my last trip my brother's like a hulk and uh i've lost my superpowers yeah. years oh, of neglect man. so take care of the thumbs alex it, it goes away I'm go- man. i'm going to i'm gonna do thumb workouts and exercises now thumb push-ups yeah what's your favorite weather and why my favorite weather if it's like 18 degrees with a very gentle breeze, like a very gentle breeze, one where like you're just barely aware that there's air around you, and then um, very light cloud cover. In Calgary or in a different city? Um, in Calgary, 
I feel like I'm just used to like the humidity levels of Calgary, so probably there. And we have a powerful sun. That's very specific, Alex. That's uh... well, I just feel like that's perfect. Like that's the weather. You could wear a sweater or you could be naked and still be comfortable. So Calgary's got a thing with the sun here. Yeah, like you could be both in many parts of the year. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just don't get trapped if you're in the shade all of a sudden and uh, you get frostbitten. <laughs> uh, yeah. Favorite brand? Are you a brand guy? Do you have a favorite brand? I I mean, obviously I like Rode, um, but I think probably probably my favorite brand right now is Sweetwater. It's um it's a like an audio company in um I think they're in Indiana. Um and and I ordered I actually ordered these headphones from them because my other ones broke and um and I ordered them and everything went perfect and right before they shipped them out I got a phone call from a guy and he said hey it's uh I forget what his name was but he's like I'm from Sweetwater I just wanted to make sure this is your order this is where it's going and I wanted to make sure that it's different from the billing address whatever and I was like yep that's perfect and he's like awesome well if you ever need anything let me know I'm going to send up a follow in follow up uh email um, with all my info, he gave me like his work cell number, the number for the place, the like um, his personal email. He told me his background. He's like an audio engineer, like he worked for NPR and stuff. And so they hire good people and they care about their customers and they like to make sure everything's good. So I was thoroughly impressed. And they sent candy in the package. <laughs> they gave me candy with my package. I thought that was awesome. Oh, man. That's uh, that's an experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah, hopefully sustainable if they get popular. I suspect not, but uh, it's already, exciting to put that much energy. Yeah, they're they're already pretty big. Um, yeah, yeah. So, I I was really pleased. That's cool. I want candy. It's, it's unfair. Amazon needs to send me some candy, man. Uh, favorite sound? Um, Gino. Uh, so I really like the sound of thunder, but there's one sound in Calgary that I love. It's on Deerfoot. If you drive on Deerfoot Trail and you're headed um, you're, you're headed north or south, you kind of get the same sound, um, and you drive over the bridge that goes over the Bow River right by um, Douglas Dale and Douglas Glen um, as you kind of head up that hill heading east, um, that bridge, when you drive over it, I just love the sound that it makes out of the bottom of the bridge from the cars driving over it. Huh. Um, yeah, that's, that's my favorite sound. It's fascinating. I can see, uh, why you're into podcasting. You have a, a very visceral, visceral approach to wor- to the world. Uh, well, let me ask you this. I mean, where did these questions come from? They're great. I, uh, you make them up or did you borrow them from somewhere else or? I made them up completely. Um, I thought, what might be some totally random things that would be interesting to know about people? Um, and and kind of the idea behind them was, for a lot of my guests on My Wax Museum, um, my podcast is the first and a lot of the time the only podcast they've ever been on. And so they're not as comfortable, right, with the mic. So I devised those um none of the episodes where i've used them have come out yet they're going to start coming out in september but i devised those as like 
a way to just loosen them up in front of the mic, get used to answering questions, get used to thinking about their answers. And so far, it's worked pretty well. I, I do think that I've gotten better interviews because of the questions. And it also allows me that sometimes when I'm interviewing somebody and the conversation kind of, you know, I have a time that I want to fill. I have an idea in my mind of how long this interview is going to go. And when I, when I ask them a question and they just kind of go, mm-hmm, yeah, I agree. And they just drop it. And then I'm like, uh, uh, you know, and I'm trying to think, well, that was an open-ended question. I was hoping to have, you know, a bit more than that. And then I have to think of another question to ask them. So it's also helped me in that regard because then as we get into the conversation, I can circle back and say, okay, so you mentioned that this was your favorite meal. Like, when did you have that? Why did you eat it? Like, what was, what was the experience like? Can you elaborate on that a little bit more? And so I have a little bit more uh, foreknowledge uh, to draw on when asking them questions. So yeah, I, I made them up. I was just like, what would be interesting to know about people and uh, and I thought it would help and it has so it's uh, fascinating how much intentionality you have in the way you seem to at least on the mic that you uh, seem to approach your life with you know uh, bringing up becoming an optimist and then I mean before we even get into the you know why podcasting um, the way you're approaching building your shows etc there's so much structure in the way you think. And I, I just am focusing on that because I'm the opposite. Uh, but having been interviewed by you and with my recent life uh, evolutions, <laughs> continuing changes, <laughs> I've been uh, thinking I need to be more intentional. So is there something that, is there a place that comes from, uh, even if we draw back on your angry childhood? Like what, what is it that happened that you seem to have this very... Um, I don't want to call it logical because it sounds very Vulcan, but, uh, you know, yeah, where's the structure come from? Um, I think a part of it comes from my dad, oddly enough. My dad uh, is an accountant. That should, you know, sum up uh, interest in structure and organization. Um, And that kind of, um, it's part of how I was raised. Um, My mother was very clean. The house was always always spick and span. Um, You know, after dinner, it was, we eat as a family and after dinner, we all clean up as a family. And, and so I feel like I, I did have a pretty organized childhood, but then uh, you, you brought up um, like the pessimism, optimism, the anger, you know, uh, the stuff that I worked through as a child. And um, I guess, yeah, that's probably where for me that really took root. Um, because when I, when I was a kid, I was very reactionary, right? Um, my mother would change my bed sheets in secret because if I came in and saw that change was happening to my space, I would go insane. I would lose my mind. So she had two blue, uh, sets of bed sheets so that I would never know that they got changed. And, um, and so it just kind of, I was so reactionary and then eventually I went to a uh, psychologist and uh, because I had all these anger issues and was causing troubles at school and stuff. And, and I realized that if I was going to change, it had to be on purpose. 
somebody else was not going to change me for me, right? I can't just go sit down with the psychologist and and say, yeah, this is what's going on. I hate everything. I hate my teachers. I hate the students. I, you know, this is stupid. Um, I had to be intentional about it. And so I remember the biggest shift I went through was between grade six and grade seven. Um, I was going into a new school. I was going to be in junior high now. There was going to be a bunch of new students. I saw that as my opportunity to, to reinvent myself, right? To be somebody new. Well, conveniently, I also got glasses that summer. So I got glasses. Uh, my older sister took me shopping and we got me new shirts uh, and she got me some jeans instead of the uh, like gross sweatpants that I had been wearing for all of elementary school. And, uh, and basically, I, and then I decided to change as a person and, and be more positive and try and flip that situation, reframe situations in a positive light. And yeah, ultimately it comes from there where I realized I needed to be fully intentional if I wanted to change myself, I, I had to put that effort in and I had to do it intentionally. It wasn't just going to happen. So with, you know, reflecting on that and going back to, I don't, can't remember if this will be on the tape. There's no more tape. Um, you know, you talked about, uh, I think it was your friend listening to the first episode and uh, you advising them to check out your latest. Uh, I mean, originally the framework is about audio equipment and recording, but you mentioned as well uh, interviewing skills and all of these things. So there is also an inten intentional evolutionary process there. Um, you know, what is that about? I mean, you know, maybe we could even start with, you know, how did you get into podcasting? But I'm, I'm very interested in this idea that it's not just you thinking you have something to say, putting out there and, and, and not worrying about it. You have a feedback loop where you want to uh, evolve it and make it better. I mean, even coming up with these questions and uh, worrying about how your interviewees are experiencing it so that you can extract as much information uh, from them as possible. You know, I think they're all related, but, uh, you know, how does that, how does that happen? You know, um, how did you get into podcasting? And then once you started doing it, what was it that drove you to, to keep making it better, uh, you know, on a process level? Um, so I, I got into podcasting also uh, with an interest in intentional change for myself. Um, I was always a bad listener as well. I would sit there and while somebody was talking, I'd be sitting there thinking like, I've got a great story that relates to this and mine's better than theirs. So they better, you know, watch out because I'm going to, I'm going to share my story and everybody's going to be like, wow, Alex, that was awesome. Nobody cared. You know, nobody, nobody wants somebody to walk in and be like, all right, everybody, listen, listen to my story. It's, uh, it's significantly better, Right. And I realized that and I was trying to think, okay, well, what can I do to try and listen better? Podcasting had been kind of on my mind for a while because I, I do video production and it was another uh, media format. And um, I also knew Kyle Marshall at the time, a mutual friend of ours. And, and I really admired the work that he was doing with podcasts. And I thought, maybe that's something I could give a try, you know? And, um, and I think he was actually my like third guest or something like that. Don't listen to that one though. Listen to the most recent ones. Um, <laughs> and, uh, I, I decided to just try it. So I, I texted my buddy Seth 
and um, and he I actually texted him last week, you know, thanking him. I said, I've since recorded over 150 podcast episodes with all these different people. And uh, and I said, thank you for being a friend who, although you have totally different hobbies, thank you for being willing to support me and mine. And so with the help of supportive friends, I was able to get get going on it. Um, and then as far as intentionally developing as I moved through and as I, as I grew as an individual and in the craft, um, I really think that if, if you aren't moving forward, you're moving backwards. If you stand still, you're going to fall behind. And, and so I, I wanted to continue experimenting and I wanted to continue trying. And so I think it was about six months into it, I bought better podcasting mics and um, I am regularly upgrading my equipment and changing what I use. And I think my equipment's pretty good now. I'm not too concerned about that. Now I'm concerned, like you mentioned, about making the guests feel welcome and, uh, and trying to find ways to do that. And so I think it's, you know, asking good questions of the guests is important, but then to improve, asking myself the right questions. What am I trying to communicate with this? What am I trying to, to share with this? And so as I move through each uh, podcast that I do, I really try and consider that um, as, as I create the new project or the new episode. And, uh, and, and hopefully it shows. Uh, I think it does. I think my latest episodes are significantly better than my earlier ones. So I, I, I feel pretty, pretty pleased with it. Yeah, I love this idea that you have this awareness of yourself. Um, like, for example, you're talking about wanting, uh, compulsively wanting to be the one that's speaking, but then you built a podcast where you're trying to listen. It's because there are people that just want a soapbox. Um, I'm probably one of them. I, I love I love talking shit, but uh, you know that that ability to take a breath and. Uh, and just change the direction that you're finding yourself. And even being aware that there might be a dead end there is uh, is fascinating. You know, when you started this, what was, I mean, I don't know if you can put this into words necessarily, but what is the thought process that goes into making My Wax Museum? So, you know, is there already this idea that I want to listen, or I I know six cool people that I kind of want to hear their stories? Um, I'm not a big podcast consumer as we've talked about um so I, I don't know if you were at that time were there other external influences but um you know how does my wax museum uh, at, at least in this project uh, kind of start to take shape um you know f- from the point that you want to build something yeah um so i mean like i said the primary reason why i started it was uh, that i wanted to become a better listener there were two other big reasons for me as well um, I wanted to try podcasting. I like media that, you know, that's, I, I like to create. And, and so I wanted to try podcasting and see if it would be a medium that I enjoyed. And then I also, um, I wanted to show people that they're, that the people around us, the people that we just happen to know are so much more interesting than like the Kardashians or, uh, you know, these other random celebrities um, which those people are great. And I, I fully believe and you know, I love going to the movies and, and taking part in that. Um, but, 
Uh, I do think that when you stop and you let your focus be on those individuals who are right around you, um, you'll be a lot more satisfied. In the early days of my wax museum, I had to like control the urge to jump in and be like, oh, that reminds me of this time when I did this crazy thing. Let me tell you about it. Um, I had to control that urge. And then as I got going, I slowly realized that the things everybody else had to say were so much more interesting than whatever I thought I could contribute to the conversation. And so, yeah, that's ultimately what kept driving me is I just, I meet so many interesting people, right? Like through just random networks, if you go through and you look at the way that I, that I meet people, there are a lot of different stories in there, right? And, and then, uh, you know, you get, you get some pretty consistent ones, a lot of people from church, a lot of people from the podcasting community. Um, but whatever community you're in, I think you're going to find amazing people. And I've been fortunate um, enough to have a couple of mics that we can sit down and chat over um, that lets me hear more of these stories. Yeah, it's interesting. The uh, idea of engagement. I mean, there's obviously yeah, some kind of driving force for you to not only produce, but to go out and look for maybe not necessarily intentionally to get guests from my wax museum, but just to interact with the, I mean, we're becoming acquaintances, dare I say friends through podcast brunch club, but, um, you know, what, what are the, what are the places that you're at? I mean, you brought up church. Uh, I mean, if you want to talk about that, uh, we can. Um, and then I don't know, how do you find these other platforms? Uh, the last episode I listened to, I think you mentioned something about Reddit or Twitter. I can't re- or maybe both. But um, yeah, I mean, I mean, you're younger than me, so technology and sort of the social media game is is different uh, in its relationship to you. But um, yeah, I mean, wh- what is what is it that keeps you involved? I get burnt out very easily, <laughs> um, but it sounds like you're very you're very in it. You're like in the middle and actively searching. I mean, is there like how do you do that? <laughs> yeah, I, I um, I've always enjoyed. People. Like I like making friends. Like it, it feels good for me to meet new people and be like, wow, that's, that's interesting. And then I go on my family group chat and I'm like, today I met somebody who did this wild thing in like Africa and like did this. And oh, today I talked to somebody who met so-and-so like at this random event. And, uh, and so I, I've always enjoyed meeting people. Um, so that's, that's not really, um, a challenge for me. Like, if you and I'm also very interested in everything. So I'm not a fan of like networking events per se, but I like meeting people. So if you invited me to like um a networking event for biologists, I'd go. I don't like I don't know anything about it, but I love meeting new people and hearing about what they do and uh and you know, hopefully gaining some new information for myself. And so I would say yes. I'd be like, yes, I'm going to this biologist convention. I don't know anything about it, but I'd go and I'd listen and I'd talk to people because why not, right? Um, and then, you know, and then growing up, uh, we grew up going to church. And, and so, of course, I met a lot of people there. And, and it was like constantly meeting new people. Um, I, and I think I've... 
I've just met a lot of different people, especially through the podcasting community. I, I'm reasonably involved in the podcasting community on Twitter. And so that's where I see a lot of people and then people who just say, oh, you should talk to so-and-so. Like, I think they're really interesting. And, uh, and then I might give them feedback on a project they're working on. It's just kind of wherever. Like I, roommates, I get new roommates, you know, almost every semester there's one or two new ones. So I'm like, hey, do you want to be on a podcast? Some of them are like, sure. Some of them, uh, no thanks. And I'm like, okay, cool. You know, um, so it's just everywhere. I just try and meet people everywhere I go. I'm just, I wrote down, which I think maybe, I don't know, this will spur you to speak on this per se, but there's something about overcoming uh, fear or adversity that allows you, let's say, the courage to become vulnerable. So, I mean, you're speaking about uh, the example of someone asking you to go into a situation where you have no grounding. Uh, you're potentially, at least in the headspace, could very likely embarrass yourself in front of a bunch of scientists. Um, but it's exciting to you. Um, I mean, I don't know. I, I don't know if it's a conscious thought to embarrass oneself, but to be humble, to say, like, you know, I'm here because I don't know anything, but I'd like to find out, uh, um, you know, what people are doing in this world. But, uh, you know, is is that something that you've thought of or, or been aware of? Is, is there something in your mind that you are aware that you're exposing yourself, for uh, for lack of a better phrase, uh, through this medium? Yeah. Um, I guess, I guess in a way it's, I think it's an acceptance that I don't really know anything. You know, I'm a 24 year old dude with my, you know, life experience wholly concentrated almost entirely in Southern Alberta, you know, and I've driven up for people who know anything about the highway system in the U S I 15, I know it top to bottom, but that's like the part of the world that I know that's it. I know, you know, from LA up to Calgary, I've been to the cities along the way. That's it. Um, and out to Vancouver Island, which by the way is amazing. It's an amazing place. But, um, you know, that's, that's my whole life. So accepting that I don't know anything and that's okay um, is I think what has allowed me to be comfortable asking those questions and being wrong and being like, oh, well, I thought it was this way. And then they're like, well, so a lot of people think that, but it's a misconception because, you know, I'm totally cool with that. I think that's just just part of life. And I think that's an awareness, um, honestly, that that podcasting has given me more than more than any other experience in my life. There's great wisdom in that. I mean, particularly to be ageist for a 24-year-old uh, male to not have a swollen ego where there's this barrier where you believe that you've experienced enough to tell people what to do. Uh, I certainly lived that life uh, into my 40s. But um, yeah, it's fascinating. This medium that I'm learning with podcasting is that if I can be more like you, there are, uh, I won't say infinite, but there are a myriad of different possibilities uh, to engage in these conversations um, and to grow. I mean, through this experience, like what are what are some weird things you've learned? Uh, have you actually been to a biologist convention? Uh, I haven't, but now <laughs> I really want to go. <laughs> um, weird things I've learned through podcasting. Hmm, that is such a good question. I'm like thinking through all my past interviews that I've done. Um, I'm trying to think. Um, I'll share. I'll share. I think 
one of the the most beautiful things I've learned from podcasting, if I may. Um, I think the the most beautiful, wonderful, awesome thing that I've learned is that you can't just acknowledge that other people have stories. You know, like it's one thing to be like, well, of course, other people have their unique experiences. Um, you have to live like that too. You have to let yourself take a step back and and really, really, um, with every situation, think, well, I wonder what, you know, led them to that. I think we have a tendency to look at, you know, homeless people or other people who are otherwise down on their luck and judge them and say, well, that's kind of their fault, isn't it? But when you stop and you listen and you maybe ask them a question or two, you realize there's a lot more that goes into making somebody who they are than what you see in that moment. And um, I think the perfect example of this is my little sister, Soraya. She, I think she was like guest number 12 or something on My Wax Museum. And I remember sitting down with her. She was the first of my siblings that I interviewed. I think she was 12 at the time. And uh, it took a little bit to get her comfortable in, in this situation being interviewed, um, especially since I had been moved out most of her life. Um, we're, we're 10 years apart, so there's that age difference. And, um, and so we're sitting down talking, and she's telling me about her life and she's telling me about this story that she wrote and it's a fantasy story about these seven seven characters and i think some of them were elves and some were human and you know different stuff and they each had um something they were struggling with and she said she based each one on each of her and then her six siblings and um and she she got into this huge deep discussion through using this fantasy world as a lens about depression and the things people go through and um and so i think that was a big thing for me is realizing heck even 12 year olds are thinking about this stuff even 12 year olds are concerned with um reality and they're grappling with it i just thought that was a beautiful realization to be like people from all different backgrounds all different all different ages they're all living life you know and and thinking about these things and trying their best uh, and i yeah i thought that was uh, a pivotal realization for me that's uh that's amazing it reminds me of that podcast we had to listen to for brunch club but uh brunch club where i uh vociferously hated the host but the uh, trauma uh, the trauma expert uh, one of the things that stuck with me is when he talked about how siblings have different parents not just different experiences but that the entire you know existence is fundamentally different even though one would assume it's the same uh, and bringing up your sister it's something that I've uh, thought about with myself and my two siblings uh, a lot in different facets but after listening to that man uh, who studies this, like lives this field. Yeah, 10 years, a younger sister with the with the sight of all of her siblings, you know, not in front or ahead, but apart from her. Um, that would make some harrowing reading, I think. <laughs> there, 
there'll be some reflection. So did she point out, uh, were you an elf or an orc or a... Uh, <laughs> I think I think I was an elf. I think I'm one of her favorites, so I think I was okay. Uh, All right. <laughs> um, I forget I forget what my problem was. Every like each of them had like a sin. I think she assigned a seven deadly sins. Right. Oh wow. I forget what mine was, but yeah, she you know totally aware that everybody's got problems, and I yeah it was incredible. It's fascinating. Makes me suddenly uh, want to talk to my. I don't know if my siblings would go on mic, but. Uh... I don't know if we're ready. I don't know if we're ready for that conversation. <laughs> we'll see. I'll uh, I'll shout you out if it happens. Um, as far as technical skills, I mean, outside of post-production, et cetera, but you brought up interviewing skills. So, um, you know, if, uh, if this goes the way that I am planning for perspectives and I spend, let's call it a season, dwelling in the podcasting world... Um, you know, and we've brought up reflecting on episode one versus 150 or wherever you're at right now. Um, what are the main, you know, if you're very quick to uh, get people redirected to what you're doing now as opposed to where you were at the beginning. Uh, so I don't know, what, are there a few key things that you think, um, especially hearing that this whole project was about learning to listen? You know, what are the most crucial, um, let's call them tips. I mean, if anyone listens to this and they want to be a podcaster, have been thinking about it, or even outside of podcasting, just having conversations with other human beings, uh, you know, are, are there a couple of, or even one big revelation that's occurred um, that has really fundamentally changed the way that you can have conversations with other people? Just to listen, you know, just, um, just let yourself be there. Uh, don't worry about forcing your ideas on the person sitting in front of you. Just be present. Just listen. Ask questions. Be curious, but respectful of the boundaries they set. I, yeah, I, I think that's probably the most important for conversation, for life, like for relationships. That's probably the best thing anybody can do. It's, it's pretty hard, man. Uh, regardless of where you are in life or your personality type, uh, just uh, having patience. Yeah, it's it's this theme, talking to you. It's fascinating that at such an early age, I mean, you did, uh, I guess, childhood therapy, but that's not an automatic for most people. <laughs> for most people, that's actually a form of trauma, or can be, because it's, uh, you know, I've been through it several times. It's, it's not the most pleasant experience. Um, no, oh, it sucks. <laughs> Um, but to come out of that with something is fascinating, Alex, and it reflects in everything that you're doing, um, even being a little flippant about having to listen. I mean, that's not as easy as, uh, as a one phrase thing to just listen. It's, uh, it's fascinating to think about. I mean, just to pick on you, would you say if I listen to episode one, which now I feel like I have to, uh, just to, just to irritate you. I'm going to see the, the downloads go way up on that now. Um, I, I mean, you can go and download it. Uh, I, I wouldn't be I wouldn't be offended because I think I think I was still able to get some interesting stories and ideas and stuff out of out of Seth. Um, it's just the sound quality, the flow, the editing. It's just not going to be as pretty. But I think the story's still there. Like the uh, conversation portion, it's not what uh, picks at you. Uh, yeah, it's just it's mostly like the post and polish. All right. Yeah. Well, I'll. 
I'll uh, I'll listen to some of them and give you an assessment. I'll send you a report card. Okay. Um, <laughs> actually, just make sure you listen to the more recent ones. Too. No, yeah, I listened to the one where you were uh, speaking to a woman from. I don't know if it was Namibia, but uh, someone from Africa, which I thought was fascinating. Uh, oh, from Nigeria? Was it Princess? Nigeria, right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, that was awesome. Which in itself is fascinating. And this, you know, globalization of uh, of the digital world. You uh, you interviewed someone in Africa. It's fascinating. Yeah. yeah, it is. I. Who else do I have? I just interviewed somebody who's living in Italy, and uh, but she's from Korea, and then... Uh, grew up in Guam partially and then in Maryland. So it's like this very, you know, I'm getting some very interesting, I mean, everybody on there is interesting, but it's it's just fascinating to see as it develops and as the group of people that I meet grows into this more global group um, that I just, I, I find these these interesting people all over the place. I also feel like I have to listen to the Kyle Marshall episode and then listen to my interview, the Kyle Marshall episode and see, you know, what the differences are or how similar they are. We'll see. Um, you brought up in passing, I don't, uh, that you're doing another project, uh, just quickly. Is it with your brother about philosophy? Is that, a, yeah. that's a different podcast? Yeah, that's a different podcast. Um, it's called the old goal of truth. Um, and, and basically we're taking, uh, largely drawing on the great books of the Western world, but we'll definitely be expanding. Um, I just had a class this semester where we talked a little bit about um, Eastern philosophy. And so I think it'd be cool to to look into that more as well. Uh, but basically each season we pick a book, um, a philosophical book, and we talk about it and uh, chapter by chapter, section by section. And we talk about that. Uh, we talk about uh, this past season, we've added mental health and physical health as part of our regular discussion as well. And so that's been a really cool uh, self-improvement project that my brother and I have been able to work on together. And so, yeah, it's kind of, it's, I, I feel like all of my projects are selfish, uh, like I do them for me, but I, I think we get some pretty interesting discussions in in there as well. Yeah, I don't know. I, selfish is a self-deprecating word. Mm. It, I, you know what I think it's interesting that you I know I think it's telling that you ended up doing a, a second project in philosophy you know the love of knowledge I feel like your approach uh, wants to welcome new ideas which is great to hear uh, and something that might be sorely lacking I think in uh, some aspects of our culture uh, I could say it more offensively but uh, I'll be diplomatic yeah <laughs> uh, I kind of like your advice. Uh, if only more people would learn to listen. Um, but it's it's fun to be a mouthpiece too, isn't it? Oh, yeah. I love it. <laughs> I love talking. <laughs> I, uh, I don't know. I I got banned from Twitter. What? Um, but it's a, it's a funny story. I This is why I'm not on Twitter. I, I'll just quickly get into this anecdote. But I, I got perspectives banned from Twitter. And not because of anything I was doing... Um, but because the magazine, we had a print magazine, it was one years old, one year old. And so I put the birth date of the account as one year old <laughs> <laughs> and I got banned. Uh, and then, and this is kind of, uh, you know, a, an interesting contrast to you. Uh, I got an email back from Twitter. No, sorry. I emailed them and I, I sent them uh, sort of a description like, you know, it's, it's a magazine. It's an account for a magazine. So I put in 
the date of birth as the day that the magazine was born. Um, but, you know, since it's a, a thing that apparently is against the rules, can we just change it to make it nothing again? And and they told me, so I got an email back saying that they needed uh, a photograph of my ID. They needed a photograph of my driver's license, passport, or something to prove that I was a human being who was older than 13 to reactivate this account. And I, I told them to go fuck themselves. <laughs> uh but it's interesting because, yeah, I didn't engage in a rational conversation with them. Um, but, uh, I mean, this, you know, I don't understand digital media very well. I, uh, I don't know. <laughs> uh, that is awesome. So now I got to maybe need to get back on Twitter somehow oh, and meet some podcasters. But, uh, yeah, I have to find a way to unlock that account. I'll just start a new one, I guess. But um, I've been branded a troll, apparently, or a bot. <laughs> <laughs> or a kid. Yeah, or a kid. I think I had like one tweet sharing something Kyle posted, you know? I, I mean, there should be some reflection on content. Come on, Twitter. Right. You know? I haven't... <laughs> um, oh, well, it's great. I I don't know. I uh, I don't really have much else. I, I think it's uh, it's great knowing you or getting to know you, Alex. Uh, um, mostly, I think, because you're a fascinating guy at, at 24 to... I mean, not to stress too much your age, but at, at a younger age to have uh, widened your approach to life is, uh, that's kind of a big deal, man. I um, I hope that continues and you don't get close-minded at some point. I hope so too. Because <laughs> uh, it seems to reflect on all your work. It's, uh, it's fascinating. You've digitally been around the globe talking about this straight shot down to California. Um, you know, for anyone listening and thinking about digital mediums, the positives, if we strip away you know, Instagram and Kardashians and and trolling and all this, you know, racist shit and sexist shit and all that other stuff. Uh, if you do it right, <laughs> if you do it the way we're doing it, if you copy us and join our cult, uh, yeah, you've been around the world. It's uh, It's amazing. It's inspiring. Yeah. Yeah. You can meet a lot of very interesting people over the internet. You just got to use it right. Whatever that word means anymore. Yeah. It's up to interpretation. Do what you want. <laughs> uh, quickly in closing, um, how many other Alex Williams do you know? Um, so I I have interacted more than once with uh, two other Alex Williamses. Um, one of them is the creator of the website, alexwilliams.com. You can understand and appreciate why I went to talk to him. Uh, I, I, wanted to, I wanted to know what the website looked like. And uh, when I found it, I was like, this is exactly what I'd want this website to look like. What is it? Uh, it's he. So he has the website. It's like a landing page for his stuff. But then if you go in there, he has this worst ideas blog. And if you go to this WordPress blog he has, it is the most amazing blog. It's updated with bad ideas every Monday. Um, and it's just like, yeah, it's bad ideas that he explains in like scientific ways to make it sound good. And it's very entertaining, thoroughly entertaining. Uh, the other Alex Williams I know <laughs> goes by Waffles, and he's a Kiwi. He's from New Zealand, and he's actually another podcaster. Um, and that's that's how I know him. Uh, a friend, uh, a mutual friend of ours, introduced us, and uh, I got chatting with him. And then we had a Zoom call, and I realized his name was Alex Williams, and uh, I just thought it was amazing. So he he'll he'll be on uh, the next season of My Wax Museum as well. Just phenomenal guy uh, all, all around. Very funny, very funny. 
he has a show called Waffles and Mario Talk About Things. I'll plug that here for him. It's very good. Yeah, we'll filter in some links and some stuff. Uh, I'll do some cross-pollination. We'll get that uh, mm-hmm. that sandwich shop in the southeast, see if we can get some sponsorship money, yep. um, some plugs, maybe like a, a piece. Everybody, Every time they sell one of those uh, Thanksgiving sandwiches, you get like a, a percentage point. That'd be, Dude, that'd be they nice. They can rename it the Alex Williams Burger. Be a, they actually do the have future, a sandwich man. named after me. What? <laughs> but not not the one you <laughs> yeah, like. Yeah, <laughs> they do. They they do. Um, so it, it is like I, I'm friends with the owner, um, but because I'd always get the same thing, um, he just put it in the system as the Alex Williams. So you can go in and order the Alex Williams twist. I'm I'm virtually shaking my head in disbelief. That's amazing. <laughs> so. You'll have to send me the link so that anyone listening that's in the Southeast can go and order your burger, man, or your sandwich, I should say. Uh, and then we can get some feedback about whether they agree with you. That's good. <laughs> we'll do a poll. Whether it is whether it is that good or not, I think it's amazing. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. I, need a, I need to find more David Yuns, uh, which is hard enough, and I need to find a way to get a sandwich named after me. Add it to your bucket list. I was just going to say, I think I have a bucket list now, man. Yeah. This is what I get for hanging out with you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. Well, thanks. Uh, thanks for your time. I appreciate it. Thank you. It was awesome. Here's a quick word from another of our sponsors. This episode of Perspectives YYC is brought to you by CPA Alberta. It may be cliche to say by now, but we really are living in unprecedented times. That's why you should consider hiring a chartered professional accountant, also known as a CPA, to help guide you through this pandemic and jumpstart your recovery. With a CPA on your team, you can be confident you will find the best solutions to even your biggest business problems. CPAs are trained to dig in and truly understand how an organization operates, where it's already excelling, and how it can be better. For an inside look at how Alberta's CPAs are supporting their clients through the pandemic, follow CPA Alberta on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or LinkedIn. You can also visit cpaalberta.com to find out more.